Well, good morning, good afternoon, or maybe good evening where you are. It doesn't really matter where you are, what time it is, because right here, right now, you are with me, Laura Paget, and this is my podcast, Living What You're Given. And you are more than welcome at this table, in this conversation, and in his sanctuary. Hello, friends, and welcome back into Living What You're Given. I am very glad you're here. You know, this is a show where we are trying to encourage people to walk into their best life possible, regardless of stage, age, or circumstances. And I want to talk about that song I selected. It's called His Sanctuary. You know, some things in this life are not safe. Some things in this life are not okay. And sometimes we feel like we can be outside God's sanctuary, but the fact is we're not. We're not outside his sanctuary, his help, his his plan for us. The lady that will be my guest in two shows, we're doing part one, part two. We're doing part one right now, today. We're going to have part two next week, yeah. Her name is Karen DeArmond Gardner, and we are talking today with Karen about her work in the arena of domestic violence. And we want this area right now to be a safe place for you to hear what she has to say. So I wanna welcome her in. Hi, Karen. Hi, Laura. Well, I'm glad you're here. Um, This is a voice that's so needed, especially today. And I wanna tell folks a little bit about you. And then whatever else you want to add is fine. Whatever else you want to add is fine. So I'm actually going to read a little bit from the bio your publicist sent me, but I already know quite a bit about what you're doing because I've been researching some of this stuff. Karen survived a 30-year abusive marriage. Her story isn't about what happened to her. Her story is about what God did with what happened to her. She's a trauma advocate for women healing from the one who vowed to love them. Karen breaks myths and reveals truths about domestic abuse. She encourages women to discover the more of God through heart healing. She's been married now to Tom Gardner since 2010, 11 Mm -hmm. years. They own a private security company and Karen is founder of Another One Free. Another one free is a website. We're going to give you some information on friends, but I'm going to ask Karen to tell us about that. That's the information I have. You're an advocate. You're an author, a speaker, and you are helping women to understand 
that there is healing, there is life beyond abuse. And when I went and did a little research on this, friends, I found that 20 people a minute, men and women, but primarily women, are abused. 20 a minute? That's almost unheard of, but it's true. And I think these stats came before COVID. We know COVID increased domestic violence greatly. That is 10 million women and men per year. Now, those stats come from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. So, Karen, can you tell us a little bit about your work as an advocate and especially about Another One Free, please? Well, thank you. Um, Another One Free is um, in the baby stages. Um, It hasn't been completely defined except that another one free is based on Galatians 5.1. It says that Christ set us free, but we are to maintain our freedom. We don't go back into the bondage and it is easy to fall back into the bondage of our past and of what happened to us. And so healing is something that's ongoing. And, and so another one free Um, Not sure exactly where it's going to go. Uh, My tagline is leaving is just the beginning. And we sometimes think leaving is the end um, because we're out, but it is truly just the beginning of dealing with uh, horrific pain, uh, trauma, having to face the cold, hard facts about um, the man who vowed to love us. And uh, so it's, it's a roller coaster of emotions and, and it's hard. It's just hard. It's not going to get easier. It's actually going to get harder. And that's the truth. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're giving people today, mm-hmm. the truth. Mm-hmm. And as you know, within this particular podcast, in, in this series, within the podcast, kind of like one of those nested little dolls we're packing and unpacking. This is called pivoting in this series. And why I asked you, Karen, to join us on this is because we're talking about not only pivoting out of abuse, but pivoting in to a new life. Mm-hmm. And those things are what we are going to be covering in the next two sessions. Again, folks, this is part one of two parts. Karen, one of the things that I wondered about, and I, I imagine many of my listeners are wondering too, how do you know? What are the signs? How did you know you were in an abusive relationship? Well, that uh, that took a long time to get there. So first, let me, um, as you said, we kind of break the myths. So let me break a few myths first about domestic abuse. The yeah. statistics that you gave are of reported cases. Um, yeah. Out of reported cases, 14% have physical violence. 14%. Those are the ones we hear about. Those are statistics that every 20, every um, minute, 20 people are physically abused. And that's usually classified as, um, as hitting, um, choking. Um, What we don't classify as abuse is if they just pinch, if they squeeze hard, if, if they slap, Um, if they grab your arm, your knee, whatever, um, there's so much that we don't classify as physical. And so 86% of domestic abuse or violence is non-physical. It is non-violent. And so it's hard to see because she sit next to you in church. You work with her 
and I talk mostly about women, even though men are also abused. I work with women. That's, that's what I focus on. And so she is silent. She believes that God hates divorce. She um, believes that um, she has to be submissive to her husband, no matter what. Um, we're not taught that submission <laughs> has some caveats um, because, because we don't, that messes with our theology. She, um, if she does speak up, she's told not to gossip about her husband or talk badly about him. Um, if she goes for help, she's, she's told to uh, submit more, to forgive, um, and to do more, to be better, um, mm -hmm. because then he will be a better man. And there are scriptures that sort of kind of back that up, but I don't believe that's their intent. She's hard to see. Um, it's easy to see the violence because there, there are bruises, there are um, black eyes, and you can see she's covering up. And so it's easy to spot. The police get called, but with 86% of these women, they're, who they, they call the police are no bruises to show. There's no bruises. And and because it's not physically violent, a lot of women don't believe that it's called domestic abuse or domestic violence. They, um, they don't even, they can't even put a name to what's happening. Uh, one gal that I talked to a couple months ago, she uh, was just struggling because um, she felt so terrible and so awful emotionally. And when she explained to her friends what, her husband was doing, they looked at her and said, that's not normal. Ooh. That's not normal. And for her, she didn't know it wasn't normal because it was her normal. When it becomes your normal, it is hard to put, and then you can't put words to it, you know, because if you say, well, he's verbally abusive, well, what does that mean? And they don't have words to say how he belittles her all day long. And no matter what she does, it's it's not right. And and if he's late for dinner, it's your fault because you couldn't anticipate that he was late for dinner or that he didn't show up. It's just you. You just you're just overreacting. And so it's it's hard to go and look at the person sitting next to you in church and go, are you in an abusive marriage? Because you cannot see it. She will hide it because he has taught her to protect him. Wow. And the church has taught her to protect him. Yes. Yes. That's yes. a great point that I, I, we do want to delve into a little bit and please understand folks. Uh, Karen and I are both followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. We are both women of faith and we are both church going women, but I think, is that right, Karen? Did I? Yes. Oh, yes. Very clear. And very good. And so we're not dissing the church, no. folks. Get please get that. We we no, no, no. We are not dissing the church. Church is full of men and women, humans. And just like you and me, um, they have a lifetime subscription to humanity. Now that is only canceled when the big publisher says this is canceled. But coming along with that subscription are frailties, faults, misinformation, and lies. And if I am understanding you correctly, Karen, you are talking now about a sea of lies mm -hmm. that we are to be 
or the the emotionally abused individual, the verbally abused individual, is to be silent because somehow she brought this on her own self. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So it's 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 her fault. You know, mm-hmm. I once heard somebody say in a in a meeting that I was in that if we really were at fault for everything, that would assign us an amazing amount of power. So right, we would, right. you know, if I could control everything in this universe, uh, first thing I'd do right now is get rid of COVID. Second thing I'd do is start curing cancer and abuse and blah, blah, blah. I am not that powerful. So that's a lie we fall under that says, yes, you are powerful enough to control another person's behavior. Mm-hmm. That's nonsense. Is is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, well, it is. It is. Um, for them, that is power. And so understand that some of the other names for domestic abuse is intimate, um, intimate terrorism. Wow. So you think about that. Um, let me compare it to this. Human trafficking um, is um, the new, uh, and I say this because I, I, human trafficking is horrible. And, but it is somewhat glamorous to be part of having ministry to human trafficking. We're rescuing women from these evil people and it is so desperately needed. But what we don't realize is we have women sitting in our churches who've been kidnapped in the name of marriage and the the what women that are trafficked and women in what we call intimate terrorism or coercive controlling marriages, it's the same dynamics. They use the same tactics. And um, and we don't believe it because we think we know him. He's the pastor, the elder. He's the police officer. He's the lawyer. He's um, he's a mechanic. He's blue collar, white collar, uh, rich, poor. Every nationality on the face of the earth is impacted by this. When it comes to domestic abuse or intimate terrorism, there there are no racial boundaries. There are no national boundaries. It's not particular to any one culture. It impacts all cultures. And there's there's the deal that I think I certainly did not understand. And I'm suspecting a lot of people out there don't. So what I believe I'm hearing you say, please correct me if I am incorrect, that there are defining moments. There are defining moments in relationships when a woman can say to herself, perhaps, I am not in a healthy situation here. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me, can you tell us, I mean, what is an example of a defining moment? What were your defining moments, Karen, if you do not mind talking about that? I don't mind. Um, Defining moments are, there's moments, you know, things aren't right, but because of what is called cognitive dissonance, your brain cannot process what you're experiencing. So it helps you and protects you by making excuses for him. He didn't mean it. He really loves me. I love him. Um, He's had a bad day. We just can't really accept the fact that um, he's abusive. And so I came to the realization came late in the marriage at 20, our 29th anniversary 
Um, it was bad. And I left for a period of time is very physically violent. Um, the most violent than it was in the whole marriage. And, um, but he got right with Jesus and I thought I was supposed to go back. I didn't mm -hmm. want to, I still remember the emotions and the feelings and the terror that I felt of even going back. But I thought as a good Christian wife, this is what I was supposed to do because he got right with Jesus yet again. And so that, that lasted, um, for about six to nine months. And so in June of 2004, then um, I was working, I came home from work, um, I promoted quickly through my job. And um, I was promoted ahead of others who had been at the company longer. And, and so June, I came home and to tell him that I had just gotten a good raise. I got this huge bonus mm. and he would not look at me. He would not acknowledge me. He could not, he could not be happy for me. And in that moment, I just stood there looking at him and I was done. It, it's like we, the cliche stick a fork in me and I'm done. I had a yeah. giant fork sticking in my body that says, I'm done. You're not worth it anymore. You're, you're just not worth it anymore. Um, um, and so then that was June, 2004. So September, 2004, um, even though I was done, I didn't know what to do with it. There was so much fear. I, I lived my life in fear. And then I get a magazine. I come home from work and there's a magazine, Chris, today's Christian women's magazine called by a different name now. And I'm flipping through the pages and there's an article in there about domestic abuse, the silent epidemic in a Christian women's magazine. Ooh. And I'm like, wow. And I'm reading it and I'm, I am blowing up inside and I'm having to remain calm. Of course, I got very good at that, not letting what yes. goes on inside show on the outside. And as I'm reading words, it's as if they are describing what I had been living with. And, um, we had our, we, this, we'd been married 30 years by this time, our, our anniversary happened in August and here it is September. And I'm reading this magazine. And when I got the subscription, I got the same subscription for my daughter and who lived in another state. She was married at this time and going to, uh, college. And, um, she calls me and she goes, mom, I go, yes, she get your magazine. Yes. Did you read the article? Yes. It's dad. Yes. Mm. While he's sitting across the room, this is our conversation. And, and that, and I don't even remember if we continued talking or if we just hung up, probably talked a little bit more. Um, but that was also the moment that I had finally could say the words and believe it. It's not that I didn't recognize that he was abusive, but I had to say the words is, he's an abuser. It's not just the way it is. He's not having bad days. It's, it's, it's not all these excuses. He is abusive, which meant, oh my word, that means I'm abused. Mm -hmm. I became that woman. And, and we, we tend to look down on her, like there's something wrong with us, or we would not put up with this. Um, and we can talk more about that uh, either later in this session or the next session. 
but it still would take in September, then it would still take a couple months when my mother came from Texas. And there's another story behind that. She came from Texas to go to my daughter's graduation from college and stay for Christmas. And she is the one that helped me to leave the day after Christmas. And even in that week before Christmas, as I was deciding to leave, I changed my mind a hundred times and my mom would not pressure me. Um, She said, whatever you decide, I will stand with you, which is the right thing to say. You never pressure someone to leave. And so we just planned. She was packing my clothes every night in a suitcase um, because the room she was staying in is where all my clothes were. All my stuff was in that room. And so she's loading that stuff up. So anticipating that I would leave and and I waffled. The fear would overwhelm me. And then Christmas night was like the worst and the best Christmas because I decided that night I was going the next day. And and that's what I did. Walked out the next day. And. And so it's understanding that every woman has a defining or should have a defining moment. Some don't because maybe he kicks her out before then and she never gets to that point to realize that she's done. But in that moment, it's one or two things happen is you realize you're just done and then you plan to leave. And in some cases, women end up killing him when they feel safe. They will, because they don't have, they don't see any way out and they think this is only the way out. And it sounds cold and calculating, but it's not. She's in constant state of fear. And, and there was just in the news um, a month or so ago about a woman in Nebraska in her eighties who shot her husband in his sleep. And they're sending her to prison because they made it sound like she was calculated. What they didn't understand is the absolute terror that she lived in. And she picked a time when she felt the safest, when he could not, because you can't kill him in the moment of passion when he's beating you. Now that has happened. But in that moment that he's abusing you, you're paralyzed. You've been living with this. And it's horrifying. It's horrifying that this woman in her 80s is going to prison, even though he abused her for 40, 50 years. And that was okay. So, so defining moments are important, but from that time on is how do we get out? How do you do? And you plan, you just, you have to plan. And there are resources, right? Yes, there. Yes. That's important for women to know that they're not on their own. No, that uh, I did want to ask one quick question on mm-hmm. that too, Karen. When you walked out, what did he do? He didn't know because he was asleep. He thought okay. we were, and 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 I'm not going to get into the story of that. No, no, that, no, that part of the story is 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 in the book. But I, um, he was asleep. And so he knew we were going to church because Sunday, the day Uh after Christmas that year um, was on a uh, Sunday. And so we he thought we were going to church. And and so he did not know until he woke up that he he just knew we were gone. And and of course, for some bizarre reason, when we drove away um, after we got on the road and we're headed to Texas because it was another state I was in. For some reason, I felt like I had to call him and say, oh, by the way, I left you. Um, 
I don't know why. I'm sorry. I'm not laughing. I don't mean to laugh. No, you laugh away. It doesn't bother me at all. It seemed kind of crazy, but at the time I felt like it's, it's part of one of my strengths with strength finders. My top strength is responsibility. And I felt like I was supposed to, you know, though it was slightly satisfying in that moment to, to be able to say, oh, by the way, I've left you. (laughs) I know we don't, I, for anybody out there that that, that is uh, offended by our laughter, I apologize, but I don't apologize no. because I grew up watching this as a kid. So I'm not going to get too much into that because this is Karen's story. But I do want to tell you the question that burns and you have touched on it a little bit. People ask, why'd you stay? And it's the most awful, horrible question to I ask know. a woman. It is. And, and now I realize I want people to ask me that. So I can tell people um, that it is because the question implies that there's something wrong with her because we do believe yes. that we do believe that there's something wrong with her because there, there are women that believe I wouldn't put up with that for five minutes, but we thought that too. Sure. Just like you saying, if you ever hit me, you know, we make those. Well, it yeah. turns out I just had her memory return of dating. And I said that. So guess what? The first time he assaulted me, he did not hit me. Uh-huh. And well, so there's a huge answer right there. There's a huge. So we say they, because part of what they learn in that dating season is they learn all your non-negotiables and your secrets and your beliefs because it gives him, that gives him a roadmap <laughs> oh, yes. how to come at you. Um, and so, um, so back to your question is it, there is so much terror. There's financial reasons. There are specific reasons I can give you, but here's the deal. It's what it makes her feel like. I've watched interviews when that question was asked and she wasn't expecting it. And she felt so confident through the interview. And in that moment, she was just stunned to silence. And she's just stammering, trying to come up with an answer. And here's the deal. If John McCain, we're all familiar with him. He passed away, um, I don't know how long ago, but during Vietnam, he was a POW. Mm-hmm. and I don't believe that after he came and through his history as a politician that anybody ever asked him, why didn't you escape? They didn't ask him that. We, we don't, we don't ask a man why he didn't escape. We, you know, we didn't ask during the concentration camps, why didn't you escape? You, we don't, but we will ask a woman why she stayed. And I have told women in my book, I there's eight questions you do not have to answer. And that is one of them. Good. And that's why I asked it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why I asked it. I wanted to bring some clarity to that question and to the shame that's infused in those mm-hmm. words. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a question. Why did you not leave five words that are so steeped in shame and blame? Mm-hmm. And for me... I was never in an, as we've, we've talked, I was never in a physically violent uh, marriage, but as I watched what my mother went through, the, that always ran through my mind. It always ran through my mind, but it, I was a kid. I mean, I couldn't understand mm-hmm. it, but, but I am so grateful that you are saying what you're saying right now. And I, I want to ferret that out a little bit because 
Friends, sometimes when someone is in a situation, there may not be a lot we can do to help, but man, there's a ton we can do to make it worse. And there's one mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That make it yeah. worse right there. And maybe being afraid to answer that question is one of the things that may keep you in that situation. I don't have to answer. And I was so impressed with one point, and this is, uh, we're going to start wrapping up so that we can uh, talk a little bit about the book, which is our teaser for next time, folks. But we're also going to tell you how to get this book. So you, if you have, uh, you know, Kindle, this is coming out right after Kindle's released, or you can uh, get it, um, it, it's soft soft cover, paperback, Mm -hmm. and and we're going to tell you how to do that. But Right now, one of the things that is so important is that we understand where did you go, Karen, when you found out? What were the sources you tried to extract help from? This is important, I believe. Mine, I was different. I had family to go to. Mm-hmm. I lived in, a, I didn't know about shelters. I, I didn't know about any resources. I didn't know where to go. Um, I couldn't call the police. He was the police, um, except for that last year and a half. And most of our marriage, we lived in a small community. Um, There were no shelters. I did not know that there was even something I could look up online. I was, I'm in a minority is that my family, my mother, 72 year old mother helped me escape. And my family in the fall of 2004 moved from California to Texas. And so we drove down to Texas and I landed in the safe arms of my family. They loved on me. They took care of me. I was 51 years old, but I couldn't make a decision to save my life. I had not been around my family hardly at all in those 30 years. And so we were getting to know each other all over again and, and all the secrets came spilling out. And so uh, most women don't have that. So many women they're honestly, they don't even know the resources. And I'm going to make a plug here yes, for a, a resource that it's called Safe House. And it's an app that can be downloaded. And in this app, there are icons for finding a counselor, legal, if you, there's sexual assault for abuse and you can pick your state, you can find safe houses. You can click on that and find your state and you can find shelters that will help you. Cause there are so many places and there are Christian shelters and there's non-Christian, but they still have a heart and a compassion to help women um, in domestic abuse. And some, if you have never been if he's never been violent. Now I want to explain, even though my marriage was had physical violence in it, it was more about coercion and control and manipulation. It was, um, there were so many tactics and dynamics that were going on. The physical did not happen often. It was all the other, it's my car, you can't drive it. 
it's my bed. You can't sleep in it. Oh, you're not going to sleep tonight. Oh, I decide whether you eat. I decide all of this for you. And it's very much, which is why they call it like Stockholm syndrome. And they use kindness as a weapon. Kindness when they're kind, it's like hold your horses when they're being nice because it's it's a weapon for them, which is why then we struggle with the kindness of God. Love has been distorted. How do you accept the love of God? Because love is control and manipulation. And so um, back to the safe house, this is an app that you can download that will give you. And if you can't download it, have someone that you know and you trust download it for you um, because you want to be careful because he's going to look at your phone. So you want to be, it's all about you being safe. And it's, it's not being deceptive. It's being secretive for the protection of your life. Because even a nonviolent man, when you choose to leave, can turn violent. Those are the ones we've been hearing about on the news in the last year and a half since COVID hit. We've been hearing about those violence because she has left. And that's when he gets violent. And people said, but we never even knew they had a problem because she kept the secret. It was the family secret. Right. So I'm going to ask you, uh, Karen, to send me that information. We're going to put that in the show notes. Yes. Okay. So that, so the people know how to get that app. And I'm so glad you said the thing about find a, a friend or a family member, somebody who can download that for you, get you the information. Mm-hmm. So, and I realized that there are a lot of women, uh, the situation certainly came to mind of the the show with Farrah Fawcett, the burning bed, and that she Mm -hmm. finally, you know, she finally did kill him, but uh, she was in jail pending trial, but she got her freedom. She was gone. She walked, her and her kids walked. And they, and that's the way that show is. And if you have, if you, if you have an interest friends in watching that at the end of it, the actor who's in it, I can't remember his name, but he was such a great actor, her, the guy who played her husband. And at the end, he came back on and said, please, no, I don't believe in what this guy did. And I'm just an actor and please get help. And I later read an interview talking about what he went through to have to play that character. Mm. So there's that piece too. But one of the things that we wanted to kind of wrap up with, we've heard a little bit about your story, and I'm sure it sounds very familiar to many people who might be listening, who who might know somebody who's in this situation if they're not in it themselves. So we are going to put in the show notes, we're going to put how you can get Karen's book, uh, the name of it, and how, how you're going to get that. We are going to put her information about the app she just talked about, Safe House, because Listening to a podcast, you can certainly see, call up those those show notes. And we're going to use this as our segue into session two, <clears throat> excuse me, of a two-part podcast topic. We're going to talk about Karen's book. And she's very poignant in saying this is not a self-help book in terms of how to get out of the abuse. Is that correct, Karen? That's that- correct. Yes. However, what it is, it's called Hope for Healing from Domestic Abuse. Reaching for God's promise of real freedom. Because from what I'm hearing you say, and certainly what I knew as a, as a young girl coming out of watching all that, God becomes just another man we can't trust. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's why a lot of women make God say God's a female. Just there's something that could be very controversial. We're not going there. But I'm just saying to now come out of the situation where you had this wonderful person who vowed to love and trust and 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 take care of you and give these things to you that life have to offer. And that fell apart so hard to turn around and 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 now walk into the promises of God. But Karen did that. Karen is authentic in the story, friends. It's one thing to hear psychologists talk about it who studied it. It's another thing to hear a woman talk about it who's walked it. Her authenticity is why she's been invited here today. The authenticity to offer a story and a book and words that can help you if you're in this situation, can help you to help someone else by offering this app. And then the healing begins as the door closes on that marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Karen, this is absolutely wonderful of you to come on this show. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. Well, we're going to go to uh, session two next week, friends. We're going to talk about the book. We're going to talk about the pieces of the healing that Karen wants to share with you. But until then, please understand you are loved. You are lovable. You are worthy. No matter what's going on in your life with the people around you, you're precious. You're precious to God. That's right. And you are precious to others, no matter what anybody says. And to help you be living what you've been given, which is breath, which is life, which is purpose. That's why we're bringing you this story today. Every age and every stage. You weren't given a life for abuse and mistreatment. You were given a life for glory to God. So Karen's going to be with me again next week, part two. And we're going to talk about her book. And some of the things she has to say about after that door closes on that marriage. Because that's when it really gets tough, Karen tells us. We'll see you next week. Please take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Because Mother Teresa taught us this. We will never have peace in our life till we remember we belong to each other. So if you don't have his sanctuary, it's available. So as we go out today... I wish you blessings, safety, and the love of his sanctuary. Bye-bye.